0: The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily.
1: Liverpool are still on for a quadruple, but can Eddie Howe's resurgent Newcastle United derail their hopes of history? We'll find out this weekend in the Premier League, as well as whether Leeds United can pick up some well earned points, an unlikely cause against a fearsome Manchester City side who lead the way in the top flight. Everton 2 scrapping down the bottom, they face a tricky test at home to Chelsea. We'll look ahead to the weekend's Premier League action here on the dugout, as well as sharing some thoughts about the summer transfer window, which is only a month or so away. Which club's business are we most looking forward to seeing? Plus, after all the exciting drama we've had this week in the Champions League, could semi-finals over two legs soon be scrapped by UEFA? loads to get through on today's episode of The Dugout, the Premier League podcast from Football Social Daily featuring former top flight professionals and today on the show we've got someone who was lightning quick down the wing and had an eye for goal but enough about me, we've got Matt Jarvis and Trevor Stephen with us, how you doing boys? Very
2: funny, very funny Niall, <laughs> good start to the show that.
1: <laughs> well, well, wingers union, I'm being ganged <laughs> yeah. up on here, we've got two right. really good wingers from different were eras. You, were you a winger? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, <well, I> right, <laughs> No. No, definitely not okay. i just kind of all stand right. in the middle and move as little as possible i once did okay. um you know nowadays players get the vests with the gps in the back and it tells you yeah. how far you would run we went to a training ground of a club and they put um, these vests on all of the press and my um my sprinting stats were shocking to say the least um i'm 10 good enough to be a professional <laughs> footballer so <laughs> I'm, I'm lacking in quite a few departments you're, you're that you're your quarterback. You're sitting there and just spray yeah. things around with you. Well, Was they said you? they said that I covered more distance but did far fewer sprints. So I just happily to accept the Pirlo role. Yeah, You
2: know That Jan Moby story. You know, that Jan Moby story, you know, he never uh, moved really from the centre spot, but he sort of directed up things as a quarterback. Uh, and um, Graeme S said to him that he's the only Player he's ever met in his whole career, as Grimson has been saying about Jan Mulby and uh, his whole career, that he's the only player who's actually put weight on during the game. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I've definitely put weight on since that game, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> Trevor won the league with Everton, that's why he's here on today's episode of the show. Matt was a record signing for West Ham once upon a time. And actually, before we begin, Jarvo, why not ask you about your old club, the Hammers? because. They've got a game in the Europa League tonight, the yeah. semi-finals against Eintracht Frankfurt. You'll actually be listening to this podcast after that game has already happened, by the way. We are recording this before kickoff. But before we do get into the show, what are your thoughts on West Ham's chances in Europe, mate? Oh, so exciting. I really am. Um, just, it's a
3: great opportunity. I think, you know, I, I was lucky enough to speak to a couple of the players after the game against Chelsea and they they were just so looking forward to it. Like, just couldn't wait for the game to come um, this, the stadium, the atmosphere is going to be electric, um, and the fans. I mean, they've been waiting for a long time for this, so I'm really, really hopeful. And uh, and I, I, I truly feel that they've got such a good chance. Um, the team's great. The, the the togetherness of them is incredible, and that's that's what gets you through these type of games, especially. Yes, you need to perform, but it's the togetherness, the way that David Moyes has got the team together. And they all run and round for each other. They're always backing each other up. And, and whatever happens, you've seen with the sendings off in previous rounds, they're there as as a team and, and get themselves through. So really looking forward to it. And I really hope they, they, they do well tonight.
1: Yeah, we will see what happens but as I mentioned by the time you listen to this show you'll already know the outcome of the first leg and of course we'll be discussing those second legs of all of the European games involving Premier League teams later on this week on the podcast but why not focus on the matches happening this weekend in the top flight still loads to be decided in the Premier League and I want to start up in the North East your neck of the woods I suppose you could say Trevor, Newcastle United against Liverpool, now Liverpool have just been outstanding, they've been on this unbelievable run, they're 2-0 up against Villarreal in the Champions League semi-finals looks like they're going to be in another European final. All going well. However, the Premier League seems to be a bit of a different kettle of fish. They're still behind Manchester City. Are Newcastle United going to be the ones to derail that title challenge this weekend?
2: It's a tough game uh, for sure for for Liverpool. Uh, but the form that Liverpool are in, um, you only understand one thing now, don't it? Is to win football matches. I mean, there is nothing else. Uh, But Newcastle are are revitalised. They are the team. You know, I I was just thinking there, West Ham have had such a brilliant season, but it's been been through the season. Uh, And a really progressive club and team, that's West Ham. But Newcastle United started their season, really, in January. So in this short period of time, they've come from, you know, potential relegation fodder to, you know, a team that, everyone, even the top players around the world are looking at it and thinking that may be a club that I wouldn't mind going to. Uh, and their form is great. They they are crest of a wave, um, have bought well, have also been able to cope with one or two injuries as well, you know, particularly Kieran Trippier that you, you thought might have um, scuppered their progress somewhat. But it's uh, massively positive, so it, it's like um, they're like the West Ham of, of the North, aren't they? Uh, just everything is rosy in the garden with them, and everything to look forward to. So Liverpool go up there, knowing that they're going to face a team that are not intimidated and fancy their chances. But the Liverpool side that we see week in week out is of uh, the extraordinarily good, that a class, class team that just know how to win football matches. Um, we know they're in an intense uh, run of games um, can can they keep it going I, I just think if they drop if they drop any more points it's it's, it's Man City's title um, uh, so they have to go there and win do I think they'll win I do think they'll win I think they've got enough The quality is great it's absolutely superb uh, and they will not let this go the quadruple as they're all talking about or trying to avoid talking about certainly in the Liverpool camp is is very much on. Um, of course, Man City will hold the key to that, particularly because of their one-point advantage. But it's exciting going in this last month. There's so many things and issues throughout the league. Uh, but I, I see Liverpool winning at the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, Newcastle are playing with that sort of freedom. I think they're now clear of the relegation zone. I don't think there's any chance of them going down and it feels now, Javo, that every player wants to be a part of something at Newcastle United. Whereas before the takeover, before Eddie Howe, there was this sort of gloomy storm cloud over the club where it felt really depressing, even just going to St James's Park. The atmosphere was flat. Now the place is bouncing. Everyone's looking forward to next season. Has their appeal changed in the last six months? What What do you think that might do to them this summer? D-
3: look, definitely. I think first and foremost, you've got to give huge praise to Eddie Howe you know coming in and what a job he's done since he's since he's been there because I think there was probably there's a couple of people a few question marks when he got appointed um but he's proved everyone wrong or you know in the majority right because he's he's a great manager and and the 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 thing that they've done so well is their recruitment they've been clever they've not gone and bought out you know players that are expecting to be in the top six clubs you know they've bought players that know the league. No, they they were going in to get them out of the relegation zone to keep them up this season, and then that breeds confidence in the team. And you look at everyone; they're playing so well. The fan base, you know, what what a support structure they have. That's why now people will be looking at going each window. They'll be trying to aim to get that little bit higher. They, I, I, I can't see them then going now because they've done well in the last few weeks. They're going to be going for like the top top players they're going to slowly build up again. They're going to go for the next bracket. You know, they've got the players, they've got them out of the relegation. They're going to go to the next bracket and get them players and they're going to move up again and try and get into Europe. I, I, I certainly see it being a lot more, you know, a lot more players will be like, yeah, this is this is going to be a great club to go to. And, and they've got that, as I said, the fan base as well. Is, is, it, it could really take off. At yeah, playoffs. you
1: only need to Sorry, see, see the... Yeah, the, the signing of Bruno is, was just Oh, Exactly.
2: You took the you took the words out of my mouth, Niall, because he was not um he was not particularly well known to anyone who was not studying or following french football uh and it this kind of reminds me very much of the sort of leicester city model of steve walsh when he was going around getting Cante and and mares just looking away from the obvious i mean i know león's not um so hidden as uh uh, was it Ren? I think, they came from or something like that? I'm not sure where he's got that. Maybe Le Havre from Mahrez? I'm, I'm guessing. Sorry about that. Uh, but Gumarish was not ranked as, as one of the top players. He was uh, potentially a very good player. Um, but they they spent the the millions, I don't know if it was near to 40 million or something on him. A Heavy price, yeah, but there was nobody else in the market for him. And, of course, Bruno Gumarish has probably quadrupled his salary, So there was every chance that he was going to take that up, but then it's got to be proven to be a good judgment on the recruitment side. And this guy, like uh, Luis Diaz, has gone into Liverpool. This guy's doing the same at um, at Newcastle United. So you can only just pat them on the back, you know, in the recruitment team and Eddie Howe, and you know, pushing to make that make sure that transfer happened. And it's absolutely fitted like a glove.
3: So scored five goals, I think it was. Tells you everything about
2: modern day football. Huge. Modern day recruitment is is a fine art, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely is. And we'll be talking about transfers a little bit later on in the show as well. Newcastle-Liverpool this weekend. So too is Leeds versus Manchester City. From one title contender to the other, City leading the way. And of course, are the defending champions. But Leeds United desperately need the points with Burnley picking up form recently. It's pretty unlikely, Matt, that they're going to beat Manchester City. But their new manager, Jesse Marsh, says that they're going to have a right go. At Manchester City and have a right go at trying to beat them if you are going to beat Man City is that the right approach just just try and go at them because we've seen so many times if you sit back you're going to get beaten
3: Look, it's, it, I think I, I heard his interview after the Crystal Palace game and they asked him about this game and he was he sort of laughed and was like look we're going to give it a great you know a good chance we're going to go go for it because <laughs> You can't, you sit back there, you take up so much pressure. They're so good on the ball, City, that they just keep passing. They pass around mm. you, they create space, they pull someone out to get someone else to make a run in behind. They're so good at it. And I mean, you know, it's slightly different to the Champions League game. But if you actually try and go for them, there's always the possibility that you can get something. And I think for, for the way that the players are, they're in good form. I think they, they've, they're unbeaten in the last five. They've won three. They're in good form that they can actually tr- be confident and be like we we've got to give it a go because there is it's it's a it's a free hit for them no one's expecting them to get a win no one's expecting them to get a point. So for them to just be able to go there, uh, get that game and just be like, yep, let's go for it. We've got to give it our best shot. You know, if we lose, we lose. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter. They've got, you know, Arsenal and Chelsea after that, which is two another big games. But you're looking at the last two. They've yeah. got Brighton and Brentford, their last two games. So all eyes are probably be on them last two games to get six points. At, you know, that, that's, that's probably their ideal finish to the season.
1: Should they be worried about relegation, Jarvo? They're 16th at the moment, 34 points. They are five points clear of Everton uh, in the bottom three, but Everton have a game in hand. and, And let's just say Burnley continue their form and they win again and Leeds don't against Manchester City. That puts Leeds and Burnley level on points with 34 points each. For me, you've always got to be worried until it's mathematically, you know,
3: that you're staying up. You, you have to be worried I think the biggest thing you can look at that is Everton you know they've they've always been in this relegation battle they've just never thought they were and the mentality of the players has got to be we need to get a point we need to get three points we need to pick up another point because until mathematically you're stayed up there's always that possibility and doubt and, and you've just got to got to keep progressing in that in the next game get another win because then it's the pressure of it it sucks you in when some another team gets the win and you're like oh Right, we, it puts massive pressure on in the next game, and if then someone else picks picks up another game, you you're looking at their last two games at Brighton and Brentford, thinking right, we have now we have to win. And that's even more pressure. And it's a different type of pressure knowing you have to win rather than not lose.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was in Leeds last night for an event, actually, uh, amongst a fair few Leeds United supporters. And they are, they are nervous. I can tell you that. They are nervous about their running between now and the end of the season. You picked up on their games, Matt, and of course, Manchester City this weekend. And as for the side from Manchester leading the way, Trevor, this is a strange question because I don't think it's particularly fair. But do they feel like a more beatable side than Liverpool do right now does it feel like it's easier to beat City than it is to beat Liverpool not saying that it's easy of course because it's one of the hardest things you can do
2: Uh, I'm not sure Uh, I wouldn't say there's much between them neither of these sides really look beatable Uh, Mm. if you give them not even if you give give them the room to play or or, or approach it slightly negatively and just on, on leads. there I can't see any point in Leeds sitting back and waiting to get beat they may as well go and try and get something and whatever happens happens but you know Man City uh they were brilliant the other night um you know at, at the highest level there were elements of mistakes in the games which in the game which let um, Real Madrid back into it but there's too much to play for and to at this stage to have any doubt, and I don't see any doubts amongst the Man City squad, and then I don't see any doubt in the Liverpool squad that they're going to go and win, win the games that are in front of them. Not saying that they will, but I certainly don't think that Manchester City are an are a easier task uh, that, than Liverpool at this stage. I think I think they're neck and neck, they're shoulder to shoulder, and everything that they're doing, slightly different styles. But um, these two teams are the best teams I've seen in the Premier League and they're both sort of there at the same time, which, is, which has been brilliant for us watching it uh, because it, 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 they're masterclasses in how to move the ball in slightly different ways. Because I can just see Man City moving the ball sharply against Leeds United. I can just see it moving around and they will drag them here, there and everywhere and come back, go out, go back another way, looking for little little spaces. They do it like clockwork now. It's just automatic. Difficult to mm. play against. Super difficult.
3: I actually, I actually, honestly can't see either of them, like City or Liverpool, actually dropping points. I think this will be it, and it'll Man City will win by the the point. I, I can't see them dropping any points. They're they're just both so strong. So yeah. it will be very interesting.
1: Do you know, what, I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't like comparing eras because things change so quickly. Um, you know, over five or six year periods in football, you do see things change quite a lot, and. I was thinking to myself, would this Man City team beat the great United team of 99 that won the treble? And I personally think they would. But I also thought to myself, that's not really a fair question because football was different then and football different now. And maybe the best team in 15 years from now would easily beat this Man City and Liverpool team. So I guess you're always kind of in the moment, Trevor, aren't you, when it comes to thinking about who's the best and who's the greatest, is it just a case of, all right, let's enjoy these two sides because they are class? Yeah,
2: it, it's all relative to the era that you're playing in. But for, you know, the the quality of skill uh, throughout teams mm-hmm. now, from top to bottom, including a goalkeeper, by the way, um, yeah. mm-hmm. is, is completely different from days gone by. And I think one of the, obviously, training, uh, preparation, uh, support systems, you know, medical side, etc. They're all different. But one, all far better now. Um, but the one thing is that the surfaces, the playing surfaces, allow skill. They allow skill. Um, but I'm sure you've played on, on pitches, you know, in the early parts of your career, which were, you know, just unrecognisable as a football pitch. Yeah. Sand pitch. Yeah, and you you cannot perform <laughs> skills at that level in the same way. You need two, three touches to get the ball under control sometimes. Uh, and first-time passing is extremely difficult. On the modern-day pitches, That it encourages that. And so you've got that um, – you've certainly got the, those benefits that are in and around the modern game. So – yeah, I mean, comparing one generation with another generation is, is almost almost pointless. But I do think the bar has been raised again, as I was saying earlier, this season to, to an extraordinary level of consistency, high-quality, um, passing football.
3: You would have to say maybe if Liverpool got the quadruple that they could be potentially classed as that yeah. team.
2: Do you know what? Who's just, um, whilst we're here, why... Oh, who is the last game? Because this is going to go at the end, is not it? It's got to go at
1: the last game. Liverpool Who's... have got Aston Villa, and it's obviously Steven oh. Gerard factor, <laughs> Wait, which right. is just. Where, where's the game at? I think it might be at Villa Park. You know, okay. I think it might be at Villa Park. All I'm right. not 100 sure on that, but I, I'm almost certain oh. that it's. Could Aston you imagine
3: Villa. his team talk? Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll start with nine men. You know, Steven Gerrard. So you know, I think it's like nine that. years this you know,
1: week can... since he slipped up against Chelsea as well, Steven Gerrard. So right. Um, and City's last game of the season uh, I'm not is, 100% uh, I'll against... tell you what let me have a quick look because I've got it up here I can tell right. you I
2: think you should I think you should because l- l- let's be honest it's going to go down to the last day you know you, have, you know, takes your mind back to Man United um, was it up at Sunderland oh, yeah. was it up at yeah, Sunderland? Sunderland yeah United, Sunderland and
0: City obviously at yeah. home to
1: QPR City are at yeah, home QPR. this time as well final day mm-hmm. it's City who have Aston Villa so imagine oh. Steven Gerrard's incentive there. Oh, well, they're all. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh oh, to word. win.
2: Okay, then. So, what, what, so sorry. What, Liverpool are Liverpool at
1: Anfield and they've got Wolves. So not easy. Oh, but, okay. I mean, right. okay. like you say, I mean, there's so much to play for. It's super exciting. And, mm. you know, you, you look at these games between now and the end of the season. Oh, just yeah. what a so game. mouth-watering. Oh, um, Everton awful. have got Arsenal on the final day, Trevor. Their final fixtures um uh, looking tough um well yeah away from home it's not going to be easy Uh, everton desperate now because they've got chelsea this weekend Uh, i mean chelsea can be got at we we've seen that in recent games they lost to brentford they were shocking against arsenal really but they can also turn up and put you away six nil as southampton find out found out recently so is this about which chelsea show up at the weekend or which everton show up
2: which this is about which Chelsea show up. I think you know what you're going to get from Everton now. I think we saw the model that uh, that they developed last week. It's taking them a little bit of time to get there, but just first and foremost, be hard to beat. And Liverpool found it difficult against them, um, and and they did work really hard and then tried to catch uh, Liverpool on the counter attack and and did it on better with the counter attacks that they had. Uh, and you would imagine that the Chelsea game, Chelsea are like a possession, and uh, so Everton can let them come on and try and get them on the on the counter attack, and and again we'll have limited opportunities. Honestly, it is desperate. It is hanging by a thread. Um, you know, this uh, uh, Everton's tenure in, in the Premier League, um, I'm extremely worried about it uh, because I don't know what long term effect that's going to have. You would not you would have to get Everton back after one season. If they went two seasons, uh, you know, you start thinking Nottingham Forest, you start to think of Derby Counties, you start to think Sunderland, it can, yeah. because it can all go wrong, can't it? You know, no matter what your stadium looks like, it doesn't matter. It's about the heart and soul of, of, of the team. Um, yeah, so, walking a tightrope, but you're right, going back to where we started, it's about what Chelsea turn up and Chelsea on that little bit of a position where they're kind of secure for that third place. Um, but you would imagine that Arsenal could win four of their last five and, and then Chelsea have got to win three of their last six. Um, so I was just looking at it before uh, we came on to, to the podcast. Um, so Chelsea, it's still vital that they keep up their standard because they've got to secure some points and they will yeah. expect to go to Everton and get get the full point uh, hold.
3: The biggest thing for Chelsea now is, um, is the FA Cup final. The players mm. uh, that they, they they you know they rotate so much that everyone's got to perform well to get themselves in the starting eleven. So it's it's going to be huge. I was at the Chelsea West Ham game and West Ham defended so well, like Everton are going to have to do. They defended so well when they had a few breaks, a few counters that didn't quite go their way, but they had the bench and they had Pulisic that came on. They had Lukaku that came on lukaku has got a point to prove. He come and he he got the penalty, and it was his sort of run that that got two defenders to him, and Pulisic made a great run to score the goal. You know, the, these are the things that Chelsea have in their resources at the moment that they can go and bring players like that on off the bench if things if if need be. But Everton, uh, uh, they they have to have to do the performance like they did at Liverpool and not not previous weeks because they they really are mentally they have to be like in the frame of mind that they are in this relegation zone, that we've been saying it for a long time with them and the players, but I think like the the performance against Liverpool showed that they actually know that they have to work first and foremost before their quality to, can come through.
2: I just think the, the, the thing that Everton have been poor at is being clinical in front of goal and you just can't survive in the Premier League if you're not scoring goals. So you've got to look at the only natural really natural goal scorer is uh, calvert Lewin and he's not played all season. You know, he, he's been the element that would have given Everton a sort of mid, a comfortable mid-table
1: season, but he's just not yeah, been. I'm there. not sure Everton can use that as an excuse though Trevor, don't you think? Cuz you know, they've had they've not had him it's all not an season excuse, so they should have learned by yeah, now.
2: They mm. should have but you know, they spent so much money and got no return um for their players and then you look at your acquisitions you know of Deli Alli and um, Van der Beek and, and it's not been good every, any way you, that you look at it but just not scoring enough goals and, and see Cavaloon has been the, the missing element uh, to having a sort of mid-table uh, season which would have been okay Yeah. Um, not the drastic one like, like we've witnessed so far this year
1: Just final question then before we move on and talk about transfers just how flat can dressing rooms get Jarvo? when you're really up against it, backs to the wall, things not going your way. Everton Football Club in the relegation zone. Have you ever had any experiences where dressing rooms have got so flat? Because I heard Tim Krul doing an interview, obviously the Norwich goalkeeper, and he said that they're still hopeful they can stay up, but obviously their confidence is, is really low. And understandably, because they've been getting beaten quite comfortably most weeks so so how low can things get how flat can things get in a in a dressing room and and how do the players combat that when it comes to three o'clock on a Saturday
3: it's extremely difficult I have to say I've been in them changes. I've been fighting relegation for a few years I've been relegated and and the 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 difference the 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 first the the last one when I was actually when I was at Norwich we at Christmas were nowhere near it a little you know, there was no no thought in our mind that we were going to be in the relegation battle, and I, similar to, I suppose, Everton at the minute, and we just we just started dipping, we were losing games, and then it's just, it's the momentum shifts, and you're coming into training after another loss of the weekend, and everyone's down, and, you know, the staff are trying to pick you up, the physio room, everyone's trying to get, but mentally, you, you're exhausted after another defeat, you're going into another meeting, looking at the, you know, goals you've conceded, and you're, yep, I've done that wrong. I needed to do that. I should have been doing that. And each week is the same. And then when you go a goal behind in the next game, you're like, well, that's it. Because, you know, we haven't been scoring goals. We haven't been able to to combat the other side. So you, you automatically... You know what, that's,
1: that's really interesting. Sorry to stop you, Javo, but what you said there about like analysing clips and stuff after you've been beaten, it's almost like just... Con- it's just like kicking you when you're down isn't it punishing you so i mean is there an argument to suggest managers just okay we'll forget about that lads because obviously you want your team to improve That's... so wh- how do you approach that
3: look 100 you you've got to try everything we've done we've done the complete opposite where you don't look and then you get beat again and then you're lucky going well i've got to point it out and the manager's going I've got to point it out because it keeps happening Mm. you know you you try one way if that's not working you try something else you're you're desperate you you've got to try something to change the way that it's going um and and like I said to you when you then go into a game and you go one nil behind it's that oh here we go you know and to mentally try and shift that to be like no come on let's go get fighting but when it happens week in week out it's so difficult to change that momentum and that that shift of your menta- mentality of, right, no, we can still do this. We can still do this. And that's where you looked and you thought like Norwich picked up a couple of wins. Yeah, had a good performance, picked up a win and think, right, here we go. And then the next game back down and you're like, it, it's it's the same with Everton. You thought of them after their win against Man United, you thought, okay, that's the platform for them to kick on. And it just it just hasn't. And you, you've got to try everything possible to keep the players confidence up because that's the biggest biggest part of it you need to have the players that receive the ball that are the the y players or the inf- attacking players that have got to be confident to take people on and put, get shots off and you know to receive the ball a lot of people are saying about you've got to be brave and got to be able to pass the ball and receive it but when your confidence is low someone's giving you the ball with a, a player behind you and you've got to have a touch you've got to turn in that it's very easy to just bounce the ball back and, and that's it, because you don't want to lose the ball and you're not confident enough to to take players on and, and create opportunities. So it's 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 really difficult.
1: Someone said something to me once, which I think rings true, whether that be football or any walk of life, really, and that's confidence is the hardest thing to find, but it's the easiest thing to lose. And I totally agree with that. I mean, it takes a long time to get your confidence up to a level. But if you keep getting beaten, You know, for instance, Everton's confidence would have been up after beating Man United. Then they get hammered by Liverpool and it's like, well, okay... This is, this, is, this is where we're at, lads, you know, and, and you're back down almost lower than where you were before because you feel like you've taken two steps back and I think that that is, is certainly something worth considering when we look at the run-in between now and the end of the season. There is only a month left of the campaign, which means that we're getting close to the transfer window and the rumours are starting to heat up on the back pages. We're going to talk about transfers with Matt and with Trevor next after
0: this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily
1: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. The Dugout is our special once a week show featuring former top flight professional players, former West Ham and Wolves winger Matt Jarvis and ex England and Everton winger Trevor Stephen are with me and we're getting to the end of the season now and I wanted to talk about transfers. I was wondering from your perspective as players, do you already know Trevor by this stage of the season? If you're staying at a club, or if you're moving on, let's say you're out of contract or there's maybe a year left and you've heard a few rumours of interest. Do you know by now or does it really go right down to the final few weeks?
2: Well, any given season, there are, within your squad, there's players who have just signed a contract or out of contract, who are coming to end of contract. People have got one year left, people who are out of favour, people who are in favour, a change in management. So you've got all of these uh, different mechanisms within the club that all happen from Christmas onwards really through to the end of the season. If you're a player, um, it depends said relative to those things I've just stated. Uh, Just as as an example, I just signed a a contract when I was at Rangers. I'd signed a a new contract uh, at the Christmas time for five years. Within six months, within five and a half, six months, I was gone. I went to Marseille. Because uh, that was driven because there was a big offer, suited the club, and it gave me a great option to go and play abroad. So my intention five, six months before was to stay and have five years and let's see how great I can make my experience at Rangers Football Club. Six months later, it suited both parties. So there's one example. I'm sure Jarvis got exactly the same when, when he's moved from club to club, no, none, none. of it's the same. I remember uh, leaving Burnley when I was nineteen. Um, the club. I didn't particularly want to go, but the club just insisted that that I go, and I joined Everton. Which I was happy I did go at the end. But um, you know, that's how how it how it was. And the other experience I've, I've had is coming out of contract um, and choosing to go to somewhere else. So I've kind of had three different ways of approaching the end of season. One fully under contract, one with um, one year left, uh, which was leaving Burnley, and the club wanted to get uh, me off their their books, um, and me just letting a contract run out because I wanted to go and do something else, change my environment. Depends on which player you ask, uh, is to to where they're going to go. You know, someone like a Paul Pogba, where everyone now knows he's going to leave, but it's no one's really new, you know, and I don't think he really was casting his mind towards exactly what he was going to do but he will be now of course because he's going to have to have to leave the club and, uh, and go to pastures new and find someone to pay his wages that is
1: yeah well it's interesting talking about Manchester United because they've got a few contract problems to sort out in the summer with a new manager coming in but what about you Jarvo any reflections on what Trevor's just said obviously you were West Ham's record signing did did you find out about the fee and when did you learn about it and, and how did transfers work when you were a player <laughs>
3: Uh, well, if you're going straight in with the West Ham one, I, um, you know, that was the, the season that Wolves got relegated. So I was obviously wanting to get back into the Premier League, but that was all down to the club. That was nothing really that that was d- due to me. They they were waiting for the 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 correct fee that they wanted. So I, I didn't really have any input in any of that uh, with with regards to the fee. So it was just waiting to to hear once they've it's been agreed and then right agreed a fee which was really late on in the window um, and then it's just everything just happened so quickly as, as as triple you know you you literally it that's it away you go and you've got to pack up and off you and off your pop. but so the, that, at
1: that point were you keen to not keen to stay at Wolves because you said you wanted to get back into the Premier League but I mean you're talking final few days of the transfer window or whatever Are you you kind of thinking okay it's another season here we'll try and get up from the championship back to the Premier League or did you kind of always know that something was going to happen?
3: I didn't always know that something was going to happen. I I wanted to to get back and play in the Premier League. Uh, there'd been quite a few bids already been rejected. So I sort of, you know, I'd, I'd played for, um, for Wolves in the Championship already. So I'd already started and, and put my performances in. It was just, you know, you're still waiting to find out if there's another bid coming in and another bid. And then obviously the longer it goes, you're thinking you're still Waiting and, and you know is this going to happen? It's just when you get that call that you know something's been agreed. Then you then everything just is like a roller coaster that goes so quickly. But I've I've also been on the end where I thought I was just staying. I was at I was at West Ham and I just was playing. I was involved in every game and it got to a few hours before the end of the transfer window on the last day, um, and I just get a call from Norwich to say you know, they wanted me to go on loan. And it all happened within, you know, the last ten minutes of the transfer window. I'd managed to get the paperwork done. That was it, you know. So it it could be out of the blue. You sit there watching Sky Sports News like everybody else, and then I get a call. It was it was really, you know, it's really strange. But I think when you go back to and talk about these current players, you know, especially at Man United, um, and uh, for instance, clubs like Norwich. Um, and, you know, if we're saying that Watford are, are potentially going to be down as well, all of the clubs that have got sort of either relegation or there's like Man United with lots of things going on, these players will know, like, they'll be playing, some of them will be saying, yeah, I want to move because I want to play, continue playing in the Premier League. There'll be others that will be saying, well, you know, I'm... I I have not been playing that much this season. Maybe a few younger players thinking actually next season I might play in the first team now because we're in the championship. So you have got to be looking at things like that. There's there's so many factors, as Trevor said. There's so many factors you got to you got to think about. But I don't think many will be able to say right now that yep I know where I'm going to be. I know what I'm doing because everything changes by uh, week to week.
2: Yeah, money talks, doesn't it? Well, money money talks. So you you know you a player can be. Um... Uh, sort of widely known to be in the marketplace um, for clubs to go and, and, and buy. but One club might be interested in them, but they're going to bid for another one. But when they don't get that other one, they might go back for the, for the original player who's already had an offer from another club. So it can just keep on changing. Uh, and this is why it, it is an exciting thing now, the transfer window, as it draws to a close. Uh, no longer, um, you know, you look at the great teams of the 70s and things, you know, a Liverpool team like that, which... Uh, over a period of 10 years, they probably had about four, only four changes to the whole group of players. You know, players would stay at clubs for a long time and, and, and be successful or otherwise. Uh, but those days have completely changed. Every club, on average, is turning over vast amounts of players, it's a huge part of it.
3: I think it starts as well. It starts at the top, doesn't it? Like, for instance, if you're like Man City and Liverpool, once they've done their business, then it filters down to other teams because you're you're trying to pick all that. So, like, for instance, it's like a merry-go-round with the strikers. You know, if you're talking about, you know, Haaland and Lewandowski and all these if if any of them move it filters down to everyone else because they that can move theirs they can take that then someone else can go and and that that's what everyone's waiting for someone to make a first move to that it spirals down to everyone else and it it affects everyone
1: is it fair to say nowadays trevor compared to when you were playing that it's a lot harder to be a new new signing for a club because you've got youtube clips you've got social media hype you've got less patience with fans time to bed in whereas let's say you know we use bruno gimenes as an example from from newcastle earlier on let's just say he signs in 1985 or whatever and he comes to a he comes to a club in the in the top flight and no one knows who he is or where he's come from and you know he, he might start terribly and then start getting into his groove and everyone's like okay we've got a player here but i suppose nowadays you aren't afforded that time as a new sign-in because everyone already knows what you're all about. They've seen the clips of you at the former club. They they know what to expect. So I I, I suppose in some ways, it's probably harder to be a, a fresh face now. Um,
2: I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, to be honest with you now. I think uh, at any time going to a new club, you have to um, go in there. And the first thing, you, your, your big challenge and the pressure comes from, you've got to impress your teammates first and foremost right uh, you've got to be accepted by the group of people that you're going into uh, and then it's it's about the support that's taken to you but if you don't win that first battle you, you the second one never gets off the ground and i don't think i don't think that um that process has changed okay there is social media but the, these guys already live with the social media world uh and uh, some you know thrive off it some put up with it some some ignore it uh but it's just under the individual and their resilience to what's around them. But there's always the biggest pressure is going in in that first morning, that first few days of training, and you're trying to get your best game to to fit in with the rest and show them why you've been bought. The worst is if you do come into a club and uh, um, it doesn't work. I remember Peter Crouch tells that story <laughs> when he was hit, when he was going into yeah. went into Liverpool and the first sort of. Sort of Rondo thing they were doing, you know. And um, uh, he said, "I I was useless the first morning, absolute useless, and all I got was the stare from Steven Gerrard, right? I'm thinking, oh no, you know, this is going to be a this is a mountain to climb to impress these guys. <laughs> Eventually, he did. He worked his way in, but that's that's his memories of, of that that kind of traumatic experience of trying to to impress the rest of the gang and be accepted. So uh, yeah hasn't
1: changed that. Hasn't changed. That first training session, pulling out the flicks, or the Yeah, you don't want to overdo things. it. It's you don't want on. to overdo first it. Always sessions.
2: do stuff that you can sustain, <laughs> I reckon, right? You know, you don't want to don't want to be that one trip <laughs> pony in the in the first training session you never seen
1: again. <laughs> um finally then, obviously we don't know what the landscape of the Premier League is gonna look like next season, Jarvo. We don't know. What's going to happen at Chelsea with potential new owners there? We don't know who Eric Tanark is going to buy at Manchester United. We don't know, as you've mentioned, which teams are staying up in the Premier League. Which sides are you looking forward to in terms of their summer transfer business? Who are you most looking forward to seeing um, in terms of that?
3: It's that's so difficult because there's probably a few clubs I would love. To, I'd like to see, you know, realistically, you know, if Man City and Liverpool are going to add, who would they add? Because I think, you know, looking at their two teams, they're incredible. But I think from a neutral, like Newcastle would, would be really interesting to see. And um, just with everything that's going on, depending where they finish, everything that they've got at their resources. But again, for me, it's West Ham. If all goes well for them in Europe, it's huge for them to go in the transfer market. I think they missed a, you know, missed a trick in January by not signing a couple of players. Um, especially in a, a centre forward but now if, if they get into if they win the Europa League they have to strengthen the squad and then you've got the likes of Declan Rice you know that scenario you know, you've know you got to spend money and that would be a really interesting one because their transfers have been really good in their recruitment in the last few years so that will be an interesting one
2: Yeah Newcastle certainly is going to be interesting I would love to see Haaland come to, to the Premier League for sure uh, I think he will. Yeah, I I think he will as well. Uh, but how does he incorporate? Probably more likely. I, honestly, I feel he's more likely to fit in better at at Liverpool than he would be at um, at, at Man City because Man City would need to change a bit because he's not really a player. Yeah, I know exactly because. You know how does he fit into that rotation? They don't really
3: play with a centre forward, do they?
2: Yeah, I mean these are great players, so they can adapt. But we've Aguero seen Aguero had
3: to change and, when know, he got back in.
2: Fall flat at Chelsea because the team don't play directly and quickly forward, uh, so he gets lost and he's forever going on runs that he's never ever going to get a pass from or two. So uh, yeah, of course the Newcastle one I agree is, is is going to be interesting. I think they'll they'll buy well, but I don't think they're going to be you know, so ambitious they're expecting, you know, to be vying for the championship. But I tell you what, they will be uh, expecting to vie for fourth place Champions League places. So they've got the they've got the funds to go and do that. Um and of course I think Manchester United is very interesting because is uh Ten Hag going to you know sweep out you know, a lot of these players and and how does he how does that club do it financially because they're, they're being massively paid for underperforming what other teams want to take an underperforming player um on the kind of salaries that they're at big challenges for every club um and obviously you know Declan Rice at West Ham will he stay they need they need either top 4 or to win The Europa League for for Declan to stay, I reckon.
1: Yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll cast an eye over the transfer news on this podcast, of course, in the coming weeks and months and right throughout the summer here on The Dugout. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. But we do have some Champions League chat to come after this. We'll do it next.
0: The Dugout, Premier League preview, football social daily. The Dugout, Premier League Preview, Football Social Daily.
1: Welcome back. Final part of today's edition of The Dugout. Matt Jarvis and Trevor Stephen, two former top flight players, are joining me on today's show. And some interesting news has come out in the press over the last few days, and it's to do with the Champions League. There could be some alterations to the Champions League in the very near future, ones that we know about. We've also seen away goals scrapped in recent years. But the latest report suggests that Champions League semi-finals could change from two legs to just one. The two-legged format could be scrapped if you believe the latest reports. The claims are that the two-legged semis will be replaced by a week of football. And what that means is effectively the semi-finals and the final will be played in the space of a single week in one city somewhere in Europe, we think. Kind of like the World Cup, I guess, which is hosted in, in one country and then you get the semi-finals and the final sort of five or six days apart. First of all, I'll come to you, Javo. After what we've seen this week with Manchester City four, Real Madrid three, from what we've seen in years gone by with two-legged semi-finals being some of the most exciting games we've ever seen, what do you make of the idea that they could be scrapped?
3: (laughs) Definitely not. Can't do it. No, (laughs) not for me. Not for me. Um, Look, I, I I I do agree with the away goal rule. I think you know that 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 has made a difference. I I I like that idea. I think that's that's a good decision. But to to change it all just for a one week away, I think it, one you know a big factor fans. They love the home and away leg. They love it. They travel everywhere to go and see the team. It's different when you have to then go for a week. Who's going to have the time off to go and do all of that yeah. and stay? Well, we know they don't and... care
1: about the fans, Javo. That's no, no shock,
3: is okay. it? I know. But that, that, that's a big part to it. But also, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just that, that two legged affair. You've got the players that potentially, if they get injured in one, you know, you, if you're in that week, you've got the semi-final and the final within a few days. It's the turnaround of, you know, the, the, the massive hype. You look at players like, yeah. for instance, in the Champions League, they have that massive hype of the game. And then a few days later, they play in the Premier League and then they're all, you know, it's not the same performance. That's yeah. what, you, you don't want to have the Champions League final where it's everyone's, you know, tired and not yeah, really, yeah. you know, it's not really a great final. It's just whoever wins. You know, it needs to be everyone's fresh going into it, ready
1: to go. It's also the build up isn't it Trevor because you know if you get through the Champions League semi finals next week early May the final's not for another 3 weeks so you've got that 3 weeks as a as a club in training as players the fans everyone's getting hyped up have you got your tickets yeah I'm going to Paris for the final all of this sort of stuff you lose that don't you you lose that straight away if you change it
2: yeah am I understanding this right then that um it would just be one one-off semi-final, one-off semi-final and a
1: final in the week. Yes. So it'd be, it. a week, it'd be a yep. week long. So it will be the semi-finals and then okay. the final will be played at the end of the week somewhere.
2: All right. So what are they, what are they touting as a benefit there? What, what, I'm not seeing any benefit or any advancement in in what, what's already there and, and what that brings. Obviously the tradition, but we know traditions in football come and go. That always has done it, has evolved. But oh, this, is, this is the worst idea I've ever heard, I think.
1: Well, this is just reports at the moment. So European clubs or the ECA, the European Club Association, will need to vote to throw their weight behind this to get it through. The suggestions are that there's a possibility that they could agree to do this. Now, you say, what are the benefits? The cynic in me, and I hope there are no UEFA lawyers listening to this, is that we know that um, there are these thoughts or suggestions that maybe the tournament could be played in a one-off city um, for, for financial purposes. Let's just put it that way, to, to kind of tread a careful line. Can, can you see why people would suggest that? You know, for instance, you know, is this a money-making exercise where they can have a, a week of football in, in, you know, somewhere in the Middle East or somewhere in the United States? And I know it would be a bit of a shambles of the Champions League to be played outside of Europe. But do you think that there's an element of that to it?
2: Yeah, I can see. I can see what they what how it would benefit UEFA because they've got a sitting period of time to maximize rather than, you know, the, the flash point of a semi-final and then a final. There's no continuity there. So you can't really build the packages of finance around that. But if you've got a week, yes, you can do so so much with it and you can sell it. Um and of course we know that they're very good at that. I just don't think it adds to uh, what what javo said uh, rightly so the fans right the fans do not want that if if you ever see the fans as being oh, the global fan base of football um yes that week would work better but this is about the individual clubs who have succeeded with their team their town their city on the map feeling the, the fans from the other teams coming into their into the, their town and having the experience of going and uh, experiencing the welcome that they would get in the um, second fixture. That's what it's all about. It's about the fans. And I, I'm sure if you put this to a vote, the fans would, honestly, would, you know, they would just throw this one out, you know, with, uh, you know, with the garbage. Um, no, I, don't, I can't see that one coming. You know, I, you know, we've accepted VAR. We've accepted various changes. We've kicked out the Super League. Uh, the, the game's not ready for that. Yeah, no, this is not an advancement and I would uh, I would not appreciate that being brought in.
1: I mean, just think of the Leicester City players who get to play in the Stadio Olimpico next week uh, against Roma. And I know for a fact a lot of those lads are absolutely pumped to go and play there. I mean, it's not an experience you get very often, but going and playing with no disrespect to, to any other club, country or stadium, but going and playing somewhere neutral where you're not able to go and experience that and soak up that atmosphere, I'm sure it's something that the players won't be keen on. And, you know, Trevor mentioned traditions, Jarvo, and they do come and go in football, but two-legged semi-finals have been a part of the Champions League and before that, the European Cup since 1955. I mean, does this make any sense? I mean, as Trevor says, I think that's the key. What, what's the benefit here? Because if the fans don't like it and the players don't like it, why would clubs vote for it? <laughs> well, we all know Why? But the, the the big the biggest thing is like like
3: we've mentioned, it's it, fans and players, like you say, like the, the Champions League, the the, um, the Man City players are now gonna go to Real Madrid, they're gonna go and play at the Burnabout. Like what an unbelievable experience that is gonna be. You know, to go there, the atmosphere, going there with four you know, four three up. Like what what an unbelievable experience that is as players as and as fans. Like you can't lose that. And it's it. The, the away goals fine you know I, I actually I, I agree with that because I think that's a bit harsh on on teams but the two-legged fare is is brilliant. It is brilliant, and everyone—you just get that from the first leg. Go oh, the four-three up, right? Tactically, what you're going to do? How your players are going to react? How you're going to set up the team? How mentally are they going to prepare to to being one 0 up, or is it going to going to go and you know try and look to win again, or you're going to sit back? You know, it, is, it all of these things you, you you get to enjoy with the Champions League and and Europa League. I think that's that's the key. It's,
2: it's very much you know. When you sit back and think about it, it's it's completely financial from uh, UEFA's uh, point of view because there is no arguable uh, benefit uh, other than that they can have another sort of diary, another addition to their diary for a few days. Because a few days in the hands of a UEFA means tons of money, and and um, and when they can plan and they know what's happening, goodness me, they can can really uh, go for it with uh raising raising funds and money et cetera, et cetera. but it went as it stands at the moment it's the fans game it's the fans who should be thriving and enjoying the traditions of the game and i think this is this should be an immovable object
1: if i've assessed this right it's just two legged semi-finals they want to get rid of so you'd still get two legs in the last 16 still get two in the quarter final but for the semi-final and the final you'd just be in one city over the course of a few days now, that just seems very strange. I do wonder who makes these decisions or who brings these decisions to the forefront. I think
3: it just start to think, right, this has been around for a long time. Should we tweak this? Yeah, yeah and Let's tweak that. When, you know, the things have been done and it, everything's working well, just leave well, it alone. Yeah, well, listen,
1: Jarvo, you've got a, a, young, a young family at home. And, you know, we've heard reports and suggestions come out recently that young people aren't interested in football. You know, and, and they, they want they want the game to be shorter <laughs> or changed because they don't they don't they don't like it. They they can't sit and and I've seen some people who are far too old to be making these suggestions claim that kids are more interested in in playing on their iPads and that their attention span isn't long enough. Now I know your your lads out in I the can, garden can, twelve can, hours a day, isn't it? A, yeah,
3: I can tell you, he's five. He's been watching it since he's four. All he wants to do is watch football. Yeah. You know that that's it you know he doesn't watch any other programs he comes in he puts on match of the day he puts on any highlights that he can possibly sit and he watches football you know i he's 5 there's no way on earth that it it's kids are just not interested everyone's interested everyone wants to play football boys girls it does not matter they they all want to want to play football watch football and and the entertaining um of the 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 two legged semi-final as it, that's it is the only the semi-final they were going to change but everyone wants to watch it everyone's so enthusiastic to watch it kids and and our age and older it's it's it's, it's just been around too long you can't change that and and for them to say that young kids aren't interested in it is, is is not right I can tell you from from my son's uh, perspective,
1: for sure. (laughs) Well, we'll wait and see what happens with the Champions League. But as ever, Matt, Trevor, it's been a pleasure to be in your company for today's episode of The Dugout. There are only a few weeks left of the season, which means you should hit subscribe now if you want to keep up to date with what's going on. Loads of podcasts still to come your way. So do that and we'll catch you again next time here on The Dugout. And of course, this weekend with Fergal being back to run the rule over the wins action. So make sure you don't miss that. But for now, that's us. We'll catch you again soon.
0: The Dugout, Premier League Preview, Football Social Daily.